Hey everyone, TJ Hernandez here, and welcome to episode three of the At Seasons In podcast. In case you're new to the podcast, what I do here is I look for the most interesting personalities in fantasy sports or sports writing industry as a whole and talk about their passions or hobbies outside of sports. And in this episode, I talk with Fantasy Labs co-founder Jonathan Bales about philosophy. Bales was a philosophy major in college, and he's one of the more fascinating people, in my opinion, in fantasy sports, not just because of his unique work that he's done, but uh, even more so just because you can see the philosophical approach in his work and in his writing. He's just a really interesting, uh, well-rounded individual, and I myself haven't read too much philosophy, but... I began to dabble a little bit and the great thing that I've found about philosophy is that it offers really no assumptions about anything but it does relentlessly question everything and uh, I think that's a concept that we can all apply to pretty much anything in our lives uh, but especially those of us that play any kind of fantasy sport which I'm assuming most of my listeners do where we're dealing with a ton of incomplete information in a game like DFS that's far from solved. I think it's really important to have the mindset of just questioning anything no matter where you read it or where you're getting the information from. Uh, I think there's always a lot to be learned in in any field really and uh, philosophy as a whole is still a relatively unpopular subject. It ranks as the 89th most popular major in the United States, but it is something that's gaining steam in places like uh, Silicon Valley where someone like uh, Reid Hoffman, the co-founder of LinkedIn and the former executive vice president at PayPal has famously applied his desire to be a philosopher to his businesses. Uh, Hoffman has a master's in philosophy from Oxford University and in Tim Ferriss's most recent book, Tools for Titans, Hoffman suggests that uh, the philosophy phobic, as he puts it, which I'm guessing probably a lot of us are that aren't too familiar with philosophy, uh, Hoffman suggests starting out with philosophy by studying Ludwig Wittgenstein. One of Wittgenstein's main focuses was the philosophy of language and uh, using language as an instrument for progress uh, with one of his quotes in Tools of Titans being, the limits of my language mean the limits of my world. And I like that a lot and bring it up because uh, one, if, if someone like Hoffman is suggesting to start there, it's probably a good idea. And two, um, it's just kind of an obvious challenge to a lot of preconceived notions about what philosophy is, is this like grandiose topic that goes back to the Greeks and Romans and is written in language it's really hard to read and understand. Um, And that idea of just thinking about the philosophy of language is something where we can attack it kind of simply. And I really like that idea of finding somewhere to start if you have any phobia about any topic that you um, aren't very well educated on. And in this talk, uh, Bales does a really great job of talking about other misconceptions about philosophy, how he got into the topic and why it's been so critical in his life, not just in business, but uh, as a foundation to who he is as a person. I think we barely scratched the surface here on Bell's knowledge of philosophy. It's it's obviously um, something that he's studying in college. And again, it's this huge topic and we could probably have a whole series of pods on philosophy alone, but it was really fascinating to listen to him discuss. And I hope you guys enjoy getting to know Bales a little bit better in our talk. Uh, Bales, welcome to the episode. Thanks for being here. 
Thanks for having me on, TJ. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, really excited to have you here on uh, on my new podcast here for episode three. And for anyone that doesn't know Bales, uh, you can find him at Bales Football. You're the founder of Fantasy Labs and Roto Academy, and of course the author of the Fantasy Sports for Smart People series. Uh, anything uh, new going on that you want to plug before we get into this? No, nothing, nothing to plug. I have a new MLB book out, um, and uh, otherwise, just uh, just working hard at at uh, Fantasy Labs. So uh, that's about ninety nine percent of my day right now. Yeah, man. I mean, you guys are obviously always crushing it uh, over there at Labs, and and those uh, that series of books is some of my favorite stuff I've ever read. So be be sure to check that out if you guys haven't. Uh, for for those that don't know, or for new listeners, uh, this is. Uh, just a new project I've been working on where I'm just reaching out to uh, some of the most interesting people in the fantasy community and and talking about some topics besides sports because uh, I think we we all have some interests or passions outside of sports and most of us are, are pretty well-rounded people with some some unique passions and um, I know just from knowing you and reading your stuff that uh, you're a philosophy major and and I think it's one of the new subjects that I've kind of been trying to get into myself, but I'm at the very, very um, elementary levels of philosophy. And it's just such a, a broad topic that I, I think people uh, probably have a lot of ideas about, but maybe aren't very well educated on. Educated on. So uh, before we get into it, before we, we just talk about your knowledge of philosophy and your interest, um, like I said, it is this huge, broad topic. So kind of when you think about philosophy or when you say that uh, that you majored in philosophy, what kind of comes to mind? How do you think about philosophy? Um, I think about philosophy as sort of the practice of just questioning things, just mm -hmm. questioning everything, questioning everything that, that you know or that you think you know, um, and especially your most basic core beliefs. Um, I think if th there's so many different ways that people refer to philosophy, but I think ultimately, um, all of them have that in common that it's, mm -hmm. that it's, uh, asking why about the most fundamental beliefs that you have. Um, so I, I think that that at its, at its core, that's what philosophy is. Yeah. I mean, and, and for anyone that's familiar with you or, or your work, I mean, I think that's something that, uh, that has always made you very unique as a, as a personality in the fantasy industry and as, um, an author in the fantasy industry. I think you've done a really good job of, of going about attacking fantasy that way. Is that something that, is that, have you kind of always been that way or, or did your, interest in philosophy kind of um, birth that hunger just to question all these things? Is it, uh, it's kind of like a chicken or egg thing. What came first? Yeah. Pr um, it's a, it, I guess it's a little bit of both, but um, probably more that that's just the way that I've always been. Mm -hmm. um, just probably like a pretty annoying kid uh, questioning <laughs> things. And um, uh, when I was really young, I was pretty pretty well behaved uh but then i would say um became not maybe like middle school or i guess high school um mm -hmm. not that well behaved uh not not in serious trouble or anything like that but just uh you know questioning teachers like why are we doing this this doesn't make yeah. any sense and things like that um so i think that 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 um asking 
why uh, all the time as, as just like a core personality trait. That came first. And then um, I got into philosophy just a little bit in high school, but then mm-hmm. really in college. And uh, yeah, that really, I just loved it. I, I, I sort of dove into philosophy like I did DFS. Mm-hmm. And um, that was like all I cared about for probably like two or three years. And I just, even in my free time, um, was reading stuff and then studying uh, so that sort of ramped it up, I guess. Um, so a combination, but probably I think you're just the type of person that's, that's, um, going to be interested in that stuff. Okay. With, with questioning yourself, um, or, or you're not that way. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think that you can, um, sort of, uh, learn it and cultivate it. Um, but it's, it's, it's like anything else where you, you're, you, um, are sort of like a, um, a negative of a, of a picture and you can develop it in, in a variety mm-hmm. of ways, but you, you're still the same picture. Yeah. I mean, that, that's kind of, you, you hit on what my next comment and, and leading into my, my next question was going to be. Um, I, I think there definitely is like this personality trait of people that will, will question everything, but, just from my personal experience, I think it's something that can be learned. Uh, I think for some people, maybe it just takes a little bit longer. I mean, I just growing up as uh, in school and, and in sports, I was um, always really good at, at both, but always very, very good at uh, doing what I was told to do and following instructions. Whereas I think someone uh, like with the personality, like you said, you have to uh, to kind of explore philosophy as early as high school and then go into college where we're still in these really formative years and, and like have the foresight to major in a subject like philosophy where, um, you're getting drilled into your head at a very early age that you need to do something practical, that you need to do something, uh, where you're going to find a good job. Um, I think that's kind of when, when I was at that age, that's kind of how I thought. And I'm, I'm kind of fascinated at philosophy majors, people like yourself, because I remember very vividly in my one-on-one classes, philosophy being uh, one of my favorite classes, but because I had that that idea drilled into my head that I need to do something practical, I never even considered it as a major and kind of diving into philosophy now at a much older age, I look back on it, realizing I'm not, I'm not using a degree that I got and kind of wishing I had that foresight. So, I mean, is, were, is it just cause you were interested in it? Were you, uh, you, you didn't, you didn't care if, if you were doing something that wasn't whatever it might be a business degree, how you're going to apply that? Like, how did you, uh, come to that realization at a 17, 18 years old? Like, this is what I'm going to major in. I don't care about the world saying this isn't a practical thing to do. Yeah. Um, well, my, my mom didn't, didn't like it <laughs> that much. Right. Um, but I went to, so I, I actually started, um, uh, school as a, as a biology major. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I think classes started on Tuesday and then on Friday, I was a philosophy major. So <laughs> that <laughs> okay. didn't last very long, but I, I really was exposed to it a lot. Um, uh, in the first few days because I, I had to take a freshman seminar. Um, mm-hmm. so I was just like, you know, you get, I, I don't know if they do this at other schools. I think so, but we, had, you, you're in a freshman seminar and you just get randomly placed with a teacher. And my teacher mm-hmm. was like the head of the philosophy department. Um, and so it was something that I already liked, but I wasn't really thinking about it because when you're, when you're 18, you know, you're not necessarily thinking about, 
um, you know, you go to college for your future. And, and even though I was really interested in philosophy, it's not something that you're like, it's not even a consideration really. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I would have ended up there no matter what pretty quickly, but it was just really fast because I had, I had that exposure. Um, and back then it, it was, um, not like it is now, but still pretty close where, um, I, I did recognize that because of the internet and, and, um, and lowered barriers to entry and doing something that you want to do that it really, it didn't really matter now, especially it does not matter, um, what you major in, unless you're going to be like, you know, a lawyer or a doctor and you know, you want to do that. Um, it, it just doesn't really matter what you major in. Um, and if you, uh, have a, a great skill set and can, um, provide value to people, then, um, you should just do what you like to do. And I really like philosophy. And I also thought that it was, um, uh, ironically, unlike my mom, one of the most practical things that I can major in. Yeah. I mean, I, I kind of want to ask you about that because we'll, we'll get to this a little more, but, uh, one of your, your last books, you had, um, a, a book list. And I think one of those books was, um, by that, uh, professor you're talking about. Is that Theodore Schick? Is that who you're talking about right now? Yeah. Yeah. How to think about weird things. That's a, that's a really good, um, that's a really good book for, uh, for someone who is, um, just starting out in philosophy because it's really, it's just so readable. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. Um, I, th- I think it's a great intro to philosophy, but yeah, he, uh, that was obviously our, um, our textbook and, uh, and he really, um, got me, uh, way more interested in philosophy than I was coming in. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, th- just thinking about that, that, time in in your life or in anyone's life when you're uh, just kind of getting exposed to the real real wor- world and then you look at um at this freshman seminar professor and he has this book titled how to think about weird things it's like gonna bring anyone with an open mind in is there is there any lesson from that book or any lesson from from that professor or uh just approach that he took that really stuck with you that uh, that convinced you that quick that you can, you can go to college and where you're just trying to plan out your future and just kind of have that mindset of doing what interests you, like anything from that book or him specifically? Um, probably that it was just like, so his, um, I don't think this is as important now, but his beliefs, what I think were his beliefs were like everything that I had been thinking in high school, but in high school, it's just like so conservative and you're not Mm -hmm. allowed to question it anything. And even if you talk about, you know, like, um, in high school, I was really, um, interested in, um, in evolution and versus creationism and sort of, um, disproving, uh, one of them, I won't say which, uh, and then something that, that I'm not that interested anymore in anymore. Um, but it's like something that, you know, they, they're, they're not even allowed to talk about, which is just crazy. Um, and in college it's, I went to a, a liberal arts school and it's not like that. And it's just like mm-hmm. so raw immediately. Um, and so the fact that it was just a complete 180 from high school, I think was something that, um, I really connected with and, uh, and just got me really interested in, in, in him as, as a professor and, uh, and philosophy because it was like, you know, 
sort I, I just it was something that I had wanted for for so long that you don't get in high school. Yeah, I mean, I love that because you just talk about like questioning two um, very competing schools of thought, and uh, I think anyone that that finds that uh, that professor or idea or uh, way of questioning things is very lucky because a lot of people. Um, either don't get exposure to that early on or, or sometimes never get exposure to that. And I think it, uh, handicaps people in a lot of ways, um, professionally, personally, if like, just look at both sides of whatever coin that you're thinking about and figure out which one makes sense to you. So I, I love hearing stuff like that. I think it's motivating. I think it's fun. I think it's exciting. Uh, moving on beyond that, once you decided you, uh, were going to, to study philosophy in college, did you have any, uh, specific focus were you on any, any school of philosophy that, uh, you focused on one more than the other or, or how it could take us through that college journey and studying journey a little bit? Yeah. Um, well, it was everything because I, I took philosophy as every elective too. So I, mm. I took like every class that you <laughs> could have my entire schedule outside of, uh, the requirements was philosophy every, every single class. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I took everything, but I took more of, um, probably metaphysics and then, and then later, I guess my junior and senior year, um, Eastern philosophy. Okay. Um, specifically Taoism. Um, and so, yeah, those were probably, um, my favorites, I guess, but, uh, but I, I took pretty much every class that, that they had. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what, what I did anything in particular draw you to the, the metaphysics and kind of the Eastern philosophy over, um, I mean, someone like me that isn't super educated in philosophy, a lot of times, um, the, the first thing that pops in my hands, like Greco-Roman philosophy, um, you know, that I think a lot of people think of, of the Plato's and Aristotle's and whatnot. Um, did anything draw you to one over the, over the other? Yeah, I think it's really unfortunate that they, every, uh, almost every school, they didn't at where, uh, my school, uh, we started on, um, Descartes, which I think is, is a, is a pretty good philosopher because he, he's, um, he's interesting, but almost every school starts sort of, um, chronologically going all the way back. Uh, with ancient philosophy mm-hmm. and um, I don't find it that interesting. You know, you do Plato and Socrates um, and it's, um, <clears throat> it's, it's okay. Uh, but I think people maybe sometimes get, uh, get turned off by that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started my first uh, class outside of the seminar was Descartes and, um, and that, that's a really good philosopher to study in the beginning and, um, and, and one that's sort of really far reaching and, 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 um, has thoughts about sort of every interesting subject matter. Um, so I think that, um, that was really good for me. And then as far as, um, why I was attracted to Eastern philosophy, I really, uh, I, I came in, like I said, uh, majoring in, in bio, but I was really interested in just science in general. Um, and then I became more interested um, uh, sort of in tandem with philosophy in theoretical physics. Mm-hmm. And there are so many, um, parallels between Eastern philosophy and theoretical physics. And so for like two years, that, that was what I was just really, really interested in. And everything I read was either, um, Taoism or, uh, or a book on theoretical physics. Um, yeah. And th- that was, that was like my whole life for, for, for two years. Yeah. So, so before we, we touch a little more on, on the Taoism and the theoretical physics, uh, just going to back to, to you mentioned that, uh, a lot of these 
schools and, and probably people will approach it because um, because schools approach it this way start with this ancient philosophy and and you think sometimes people get turned off is it uh, is there anything specific about um, that ancient philosophy that you think turns people off is it the um, I mean it is just deeper read is it the uh, the translation of it or what is it that's uh, kind of a rough start to philosophy over there you think um yeah I don't know I guess I guess it's uh, a little bit <clears throat> yeah some of it is, is maybe the translation some mm -hmm. of it is that it's a little bit um, I think that you that 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 people should start with just things that I consider so many different things philosophy. And so you should probably start with something that relates to uh, a subject that you're already really interested in. Um, and so when I was able to do that with theoretical physics, that was really cool for me. And I think there's a variety of things you can do um, uh, that would mirror that uh, versus some of the stuff I think is just difficult to apply um, mm -hmm. nowadays. And, and maybe just uh, not that it's not good because there's really really interesting um things uh in in ancient philosophy but i think the average person would have a hard time connecting with it yeah so i mean um on on the other end of the spectrum that if you kind of start there you could find um kind of a tough time applying some of the lessons uh what are the, some of the lessons in taoism that stood out to you uh, i know it's a pretty broad question but kind of in general and uh like did, did it stick with you or do you apply any of it to to what you do now or your day-to-day -day? like what was the big uh the big overarching principle in taoism that really drew you in um i wouldn't say that it, it's necessarily one uh overarching principle i think just thinking uh, i guess the biggest one would be not thinking about it in um in western culture we think about things in very just black and white terms mm -hmm. um and uh that's not the case in right. um in eastern philosophy it's uh you know there's um i guess one one really um interesting comp might be uh projecting players in fantasy with a median <laughs> projection versus a, ra a range of outcomes. Right. Um, and the range would be a more Eastern way to think about it. Um, and the, uh, the median projection would be a more Western way to think about that. Um, yeah, I, I think that, uh, that that's probably, that's probably the, the most applicable, applicable to DFS and, and an underlying theme for sure. Um, just ha no absolutes, um, no, beginning and no end to things um which could be applied in in, in physics maybe to the to the universe um th uh you know things being cyclical um maybe not having a, a hard identity or, or identity as something that's always changing and evolving mm -hmm. um yeah i think that those are are sort of core uh tenets of eastern philosophy that maybe um run in contrast to, to how we think yeah and i mean i think it, it it it's something that it sounds like um a lot of people especially with with what's going on right now uh politically but i guess just historically in, in western politics could uh really benefit from because uh like you said thinking in terms of of, of black and, and white and absolutes i mean um that's something that that I kind of pride myself on just intuitively being a fantasy writer. I think uh, just trying to speak in absolutes or hot takes just kind of makes uh, it makes it look like you're not trying to to uh, 
uncover all the options and and then when you look at something like what's going on in politics right now there's just no room for gray area you're either all the way right or or all the way left and if you say something that uh that contrasts with what side you're supposed to be standing on you get this this uh huge backlash and i think that's a pretty um unhealthy way to approach not just politics but but really anything in life i, I think it's it's always um you always grow uh just not personally but uh, in your relationships if you can at least kind of uh take the time to to take a step back and and explore all the possibilities so uh, i think that's something that's really intriguing to me it's a it's obviously something that i haven't got into yet but i mean i'm I just keep getting more fascinated by philosophy. The the more I hear about it, the more I dig into it. And we've um, even recently with with podcasters um, like Tim Ferriss, with people like yourself putting out uh, what they're doing outside of their field. I think there uh, there has been like a little bit of a resurgence and in interest um, in philosophy. We've probably touched on this a little bit already, but like what are what are probably something that that someone might uh just starting to find an interest in philosophy or just listening to a podcast like this um what are what are some major misconceptions or something someone might not know about philosophy if they've never studied it even something um as basic as like i talked about earlier if you if you study philosophy it's not a it's it's not um something applicable in the professional field what are just some major things you hear when when people either talk about philosophy or ask you about philosophy that um just kind of make you cringe as someone that has studied it yeah i I think that's the biggest one what you just hit on that it's not um practical i think that it's very very pragmatic if you think about it Mm -hmm. um sort of if you think about philosophy in the same way that you might think about um working out um so when you exercise you're like building this foundation for physical health um and it's really really valuable long term and when you do philosophy or uh um read a philosophy book or um uh just in general probably read books which which people don't do um it's it you're you're sort of like um working out your mind and and building a foundation for like long term problem solving you can always draw upon that um you it, when you when you when you study philosophy you're just like sort of exercising your brain to be to be able to um more efficiently accomplish tasks and and problem solve in the future and so that's the way that i think about it um in the same way that that um reading a book isn't a good use of time if you're if you're thinking about uh optimizing your day Mm-hmm. Um, it, it takes a long time and you're probably not going to use it that day. But if, you know, you're trying to optimize your life for five years out, then reading is one of the best things that you can do. And working out is the best thing, one of the best things that you can do. And sleeping well is one of the best things you can do. And I think studying philosophy would fall into that category as well. Um, and then a second thing I would say is that people maybe think that philosophy is like almost a Above them, and I think that it, mm-hmm. or unapproachable, um, which it just isn't the case, or it shouldn't be. I think that's that that it is the case because a lot of philosophy is written in that way. That's hard to understand, which sucks. I don't like that. I don't. I don't think that that's um, a good thing. And um, uh, I think Einstein said, if you can't explain your theory to a six-year-old, then you don't know it well enough. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really true. If you can't explain something um, in a way that that almost anyone can understand, um, then, then you probably don't know it, 
uh, yourself as well as you should. And, um, I think that, uh, there's lots of really great philosophy that doesn't do that. Um, and, uh, and even, even if you're not reading philosophy, just the act of, um, questioning yourself and questioning why you do things, I would categorize as philosophical. And, um, and I think that that is something that should be approachable to everybody. Yeah. I mean, you, one thing you mentioned is that, uh, people can can definitely feel like uh, philosophy is a little bit above them and then um, to another note uh, it, it might not be the best allocation of their short-term time and I think um, a good example of that is uh, one of the one of, of the favorite things that I've, I've read from you and you've put out a ton of books but uh, maybe the, the most value I've got is um, the book list at the end of uh, at the end of your last book that came out before last football season, and uh, I, I kind of touched on on one of the books that your professor wrote. But you you have a, a long list of philosophy books and other books that uh, some of the statistical and, and analysis um, more analytical works. You kind of figure those will relate more to what all of us are interested, in, which is in fantasy sports. So naturally, I was I was attracted to those first, and I've kind of been trying to tear through that book list because it, it is a really good list. But uh, like I mentioned, just getting into some of the uh, philosophy books, and uh, Nietzsche is a guy that that you have suggested, and I've kind of started to read some of his stuff. But a lot of it is very dense. But he's also you also mentioned he's one, one of your favorites. Um, what if, if someone was looking to uh, just get started in, in reading or with no knowledge of, of philosophy at all? What are, what are some suggested reads, some of your favorite um, philosophers to read and, and kind of more any like supplemental material that can um, help them understand it a little more? Some of those those deeper reads like the Nietzsche's and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Nietzsche is my favorite um, philosopher. Uh, I think that he's probably, it's not that he's advanced, but I think there's probably better, um, better philosophy to read before Nietzsche. Um, but he really is just, uh, I think incredible probably the best writer I've ever read. Maybe mm -hmm. like the, the true father of modern psychology. Um, mm -hmm. I, I just think that he was, uh, he was a genius, but, um, yeah, so I think how to think about weird things. The the book that I that that, I, that really I started and I think is a really really useful book to read. Um, the Tao of Physics is uh, is a book that I um, really enjoyed. That uh, if if you, if you have any interest in, in theoretical physics, um, Descartes, like I said, um, there's a book series uh, that applies that that's really it's really meant for. Um, people just getting into philosophy that that's that covers um, uh, the philosophy of uh, a bunch of um, the, the, there's a whole series on a bunch of different topics. So there's baseball and philosophy, Star Trek and philosophy, <laughs> um, the Matrix and philosophy. And those are actually really good books. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that those would be really really good i've read the base i've read baseball and philosophy and the matrix and philosophy um but they they sort of apply this principle that i've taken from a, another writer i like who i would say is probably philosophical james altucher um mm -hmm. talks about idea sex which is just like applying taking 
an idea from one field um, and applying it to another, just something that you know a whole lot about and something else that, that maybe you do or maybe you don't. Um, and you, that's really where the best ideas come from. And that's really what those books are. They're, they're a version of that concept of idea sex. And I think that that's really interesting. And I think that that even that, that, that idea is something that, um, would stem from philosophy and is, um, in itself, um, a version of philosophy, just thinking about, um, unique ways to solve problems and applying, uh, different fields that are seemingly unrelated to one another. Yeah, that, I mean that that concept of idea sex is one I've been uh, familiar with for pretty long because I've I've been familiar with Altucher's work for uh, quite some time now, and I mean this is uh, kind of putting you on the spot here. And if you can't think of anything, you know, don't worry about it or or don't give away any of your big secrets. But do you have uh, like a big example of of how you've used idea sex in your work? I mean, you've been pretty candid candid with it in some of your writing, like with the um, with the anti fragile stuff and whatnot. But anything that just seems that stands out to you is something that just seems uh, not related at all to what you do in terms of fantasy that you've applied to uh, recent or past work? Yeah, uh, anti-fragility is the big one um, from Taleb and, and uh, I think that that was something that just like I immediately connected with uh, Sean Siegel mm -hmm. um, was the first person that, that I think applied it to fantasy in general and I just um, really stole that and applied it to DFS. And, uh, and I think that that's probably, um, probably the biggest one. It, pretty much every book I read now is I'm just reading it thinking as a DFS player because that's what I'm currently interested in is DFS. Before it was theoretical physics. Um, uh, so if I was reading Eastern philosophy, it would just be applied to that. Um, like every line was just as if it was written mm -hmm. about, um, theoretical physics and, and now it's, um, DFS. Um, I think that Malcolm Gladwell, David and Goliath is, is another good one. So, um, sort of that a lot of the value is in, um, uh, being a big fish in a small pond. Uh, and that can be applied to, um, DFS if you, if you start to think about ownership, um, and, uh, and, and ways so, sort of similar to Tala, but ways that you can, um, leverage, uh, inefficiencies in, in, in ownership. Um, uh, even the way that you research maybe, uh, or the stats that you mm -hmm. emphasize, um, you know, it could have less theoretical value in a vacuum, but because everyone is looking at, say, weighted on base in MLB mm -hmm. and and fewer people are looking at batted ball distance or exit velocity. Um, if they're near nearly comparable in terms of predictive ability, um, just in terms of, you know, predicting what's, what's going to happen on the field, or even if say Woba is a little bit um, better of a predictive tool, um, batted ball, distance and and exit velocity exit velocity have way more value because in that way you're you're sort of a big fish in a small pond because no one else is using that um and so if you can identify the discrepancies between a player's woba over the past 15 days let's say and his batted ball distance guys who are just getting unlucky then that's potentially a really really big edge um that was something that I, that I learned from him there's so many similar things uh like that and i think that maybe just the practice of of um 
taking a book and reading it and mm. uh from the start you're you're naturally just applying it to something else like every sentence you read is mm. getting applied to something else i think that's the best way and i would call that philosophy and that maybe that's the best way to get involved in philosophy yeah i mean I, that that is a, a perfect way to, to sum it up i think that last sentence because um I mean, it just something I did last season, I, I think any of us that have been in this industry, um, even just for, for one season, I mean, you do all sports, which is mind boggling to me. Uh, but even just people that are just involved in football, in the middle of that football season, it, it becomes such a grind and uh, things could start to feel very redundant, very stagnant. And um, one of the books I read um, last year that you, you suggested was um, the success equation. And uh, like you say, you, you just start reading it and you, you might not um, have know exactly what you're, you're trying to get out of it, but just kind of getting your your brain and your mind on a different wavelength, even just for maybe 30 minutes or an hour or a, a night. Um, I, w I was dog-earing a page uh, every other night and I, I got, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, 10 out of uh, 17 team weeks, uh, the final 10 weeks of the season, I had a, a new intro to an article that just uh, gave me an idea to look at a different stat or just uh, talk about an uh, introduction to a player in a different way. And I think that anytime you're, you're reading and we're just talking specifically about philosophy here, um, like you said, your, your mind's just going to start uh, uh, kind of spinning. And you're going to be able to uh, just start jotting down all these notes about how you're how you're thinking about things and how whether it's sports or, or life or relationships uh, and I think that's why I'm, I'm starting to get really uh, fascinated with um, this concept as a whole and and I mean talking about that just thinking through right now what, what I started doing in, in the past uh, maybe year or so do you have any um, specific practices either just in, in the idea sex concept or just the idea of thinking about things in a different way that you do um uh personally i mean are, are you a a note taker when you're reading are you um are you a a journal or anything like that that kind of helps you keep active in that idea um yeah i i highlight things in um in uh in books that i read mm -hmm. uh try not to highlight too much just because um, I think that unless in a, an idea is like fundamentally going to change your life, like this amazing uh, <laughs> concept, you just, you forget it. Like people, I forget so much. You just forget so many things. And so you want to go back and, and be able to reread it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, yeah, so I do that. Um, I would say just making predictions is a good one and writing them down. And then also, um, not just the prediction, but like why you think something. I think that that's a really good practice. Um, and then go back and, and, and assess that and mm -hmm. read why you thought something to be true. And sometimes, um, you'll, you'll find that you were pretty sharp. And sometimes you'll find <laughs> that it was like literally the dumbest idea anyone could ever have. How could I think that? Um, and then you can improve, but it's really difficult to improve making predictions or just improve. I think that most of, life is making accurate predictions, but, um, I suppose there's some that's, <laughs> that's not, um, and even improving in those areas, uh, I think you need to like be able to track and assess and, um, you can naturally improve, but it's, it's easier if you, uh, understand mistakes that you're making. Um, and yeah. you mentioned the success equation, uh, the, the book that I'm reading right now, I'm only like maybe 40 pages in or something, mm -hmm. um, is written by that author. It's called, uh, more than, you know, 
and uh, finding financial wisdom in unconventional places. I just pulled it up because I just ordered it on Amazon, um, but it's the same author. And I'd say it's even better uh, because it's in the other one, he's talking a lot specifically about, about sports. Mm-hmm. And th- those sections were a lot of stuff that I knew. And I, I think that this, this one is, is a lot, is a lot better. Um, a lot better to apply to DFS. And just, I think it's, it's better written. Uh, but that, that's one to, um, uh, for, for anyone listening to get. I, I think that, that, uh, at least, uh, I can vouch for the first 40 pages. Yeah, um, I mean, I'll, I'll, all these books we've been talking about, I'll be sure to uh, to throw in the show notes, and I'll also um, link to your book so people can check out your book list. But uh, just kind of, I, I just continuing to talk about um, reading all these uh, all these different uh, books and authors. One thing that um, I kind of had a recent epiphany in in my book reading uh, endeavors, and I was listening to um, Novel Ravikant, who is um, I think he's the CEO or founder of Angel List, um, a really popular guy in the the kind of the podcast tech world. And I was listening to him on a recent podcast, and something that he said, kind of as as a passing note, but really stuck out to me is. Uh, he was asked what his reading list was and he went down a list of, of maybe i don't know 40 books he was reading and i think he said one of the the most useful things that he realized is that he i mean we have this thing where we're we're very start to finish right we open a book and we don't want to uh like we feel like we need to finish that book and if we don't we are it's kind of like we we fail and then we don't get to the next book because we didn't uh finish the first one and um, he says he just reads whatever the hell he feels like. So he might be reading 10 books at the same time. Some of them he n- might never finish. Some of them he'll just flip through and find the chapters that look interesting. And I mean, it seems like such an obvious concept, but the way he said it, uh, kind of, it kind of stuck with me. And I came home and I, I ordered probably 15 books on Amazon and I got home. And now I just kind of have a bunch of books that are, that are either bookmarked or dog-eared kind of spread out through my apartment thrown around. Um, but I get a way more reading done. So, uh, just a little, a little tip for anyone that is thinking about going over some of these philosophy books or just other book lists. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, it's a good thing to think about because I was definitely guilty of what Naval was talking about. Yeah, I, I did. I, I did the same thing up until, um, a few years ago. And, you know, you just get, it, it's a complete sunk cost, but you just feel bad. Like, I guess not finishing a book. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I stopped doing that. And so now I'm reading, um, uh, a, a, a whole bunch of, uh, different books at once. The Undoing Project by, by Michael Lewis. Um, the book that I just said, uh, uh, a bunch of different things that are really good. And, um, s- some of them, uh, the one that I mentioned, um, I don't know how to say his name is the author's Michael Mab- Mabuson. Yeah. I don't know how to say it either. That's why I yeah. skipped over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one is, he recommends even just jumping around. It's written. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's pretty, uh, th- there's definitely, it, it's not written as like a bunch of, you know, short stories, so to speak, but, uh, but it's something that you can, you can jump around and he recommends doing that. So that's a really good one. Uh, that, that's definitely a really good one to do that. Yeah, I so I'll definitely put those uh, in the show notes and and like I said and I mean philosophy we could probably um, 
have an entire podcast instead of just a single episode on it and, and do this for years. But um, I think that uh, that's really fun, just kind of um, getting into the mind of Bales and, and talking about something other than fantasy sports for once. So, uh, Bales, thanks thanks a ton for coming on. Do you, um, one last time, plug your stuff before we get out of here. Um, uh, you can uh, just find me on Twitter at Bales Football. Um, and thank, thanks for having me on TJ. We should, we should do it again. We should talk about, uh, maybe a different, maybe a, a more focused, um, uh, area of philosophy or something on a, on a future show. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm into it. Uh, any, any topic that anyone wants to talk about, I'm, I'm down. So hopefully, um, hopefully people had a lot of fun listening to this as much fun as I had, uh, talking to you. So I'll talk to you later, buddy. All right. Thanks, man. No problem. Hey everyone, TJ with a few more things before I get out of here. Uh, If you want to help contribute to the podcast, I am always looking for interesting people to interview. No matter your passion or hobby or expertise, if you or someone you know has something that you think would be interesting on the podcast, please reach out to me on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. If you would like to support what I do and help keep this podcast going, uh, sign up at one of these sites that I contribute to. You can sign up for 444.com by going to my pin tweet. We are currently running early bird specials for all redraft and DFS packages. We offer a ton of great content, rankings, projections, and fantasy football tools. And also check out my site, rostercoach.com. Rostercoach is a video-based classroom-style website where we just teach you how to be better at DFS. Uh, No matter what sport you play, there are courses and classes for you to check out by some of the best DFS players in the industry. Uh, It's a really great opportunity just to check out the day-to-day, see exactly how these guys are approaching the game. We are starting our MLB content with uh, a ton of great courses going up as we speak, and I think you will really enjoy everything we have to offer over there. Again, thanks for listening to At Seasons End podcast if you have enjoyed it please give it a five-star review and a rating on itunes i would really appreciate that and that'll help get the word out about the pod Uh, please share it on twitter any social media and i will talk to you guys next week